0: Today, our wisdom journey through the Bible brings us to Matthew 1 and Luke 3. You might not think so at first glance, but the genealogy of Jesus is important. It establishes His qualification for being Israel's Messiah it's also a reminder that god graciously works in the lives of sinners just like us to redeem us and make us part of his eternal family join stephen davy for this lesson called the family tree of jesus
1: the gospel of john has introduced us to what we call the pre-incarnate life of christ Uh, That's Jesus' divine and eternal life before he was born as a baby boy. He was God the Son long before uh, the time when he took on flesh and became uh, God the man, Jesus the man. Well, today we're going to slip over to Matthew and Luke as they give us his genealogy. This is his human family tree, so to speak. Now, Matthew begins here in chapter 1 and verse 1, the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Now, since Matthew is writing primarily to a Jewish audience, he's going to show that Jesus descended from David and Abraham, and that's going to be critically important for proving that Jesus is qualified to be the Messiah King of Israel. Now, over in in the Gospel by Luke, in chapter 3, he's writing primarily to a Greek audience. And so he's going to emphasize the humanity of Jesus, and he'll trace the family tree all the way back to Adam, the first man. Now, what I want to do today is focus on Matthew's uh, rather unusual genealogy of Jesus. During the days of Jesus, a woman had very few legal rights. In fact, a woman couldn't provide testimony in a court of law. She didn't normally inherit property. She was basically the property of her husband. And women, frankly, lived difficult lives. You know, it's going to be the gospel that will elevate women and give them great dignity. In fact, to this day, in countries where the gospel of Jesus Christ is rejected, Women still live very difficult lives, oftentimes without any dignity or respect or honor. Christianity elevates the rights and roles of women. Now, in the days of Christ, if you can imagine it, an Orthodox Jewish man would get up every day and pray a morning prayer that included these words, God, I thank you that you did not create me a Gentile, a slave, Or a woman. Well, with that in mind, I want to point out how Matthew, inspired by the Holy Spirit, records this very unique genealogy because he includes the names of four women in Jesus' family tree. And let me tell you ahead of time that this was unusual, but it pointed to the truth that women and men, boys and girls, are all. Equally precious in the sight of God. Now, the first woman I want to point out here, mentioned in Matthew chapter 1 and verse 3, is Tamar. Now, if you're going to leave any woman out of the limelight, out of the lineage of Jesus, it would be Tamar. All the way back in Genesis chapter 38, you may remember she marries into the line of Judah. Her husband, the son of Judah, had died. She was desperate to carry on the family line and have a child. She ends up dressing like a pagan temple prostitute. She goes out to where her father-in-law, Judah, one of the 12 sons of Jacob, of course, he's shearing his sheep, and, and he doesn't recognize Tamar. He has relations with her. She conceives, and she bears twin sons. So imagine the grace of God in choosing to continue the Messiah's line through Tamar and Judah. You know, if I were God, I probably would have switched the royal line from Judah to Levi or or Benjamin. But the messianic line from which Jesus descended continued through the oldest twin boy of Tamar and Judah. Now, the second woman in Matthew's genealogy here in verse 5 is Rahab. Now, Rahab's a little like Tamar, but unlike Tamar, prostitution was Rahab's profession. She actually ran a brothel there in her home on the side of the wall of Jericho, but she renounces her pagan idolatry. She becomes a follower of the God of Israel, and when those walls of Jericho came tumbling down, she was rescued. She goes on to marry a Hebrew man He just so happens to be in the royal line, the royal lineage of Jesus. The third woman, now here in verse 5, is Ruth. Ruth was a pagan Moabitess. Uh, The wicked history of the Moabites is is now going to intersect the genealogy of the Messiah. The Moabites uh, were the result of incest between Lot and his unmarried daughter. In fact, both of Lot's daughters wanted to have a child, but uh, they weren't married. After God judged Sodom and Gomorrah, their hometown region, they had no prospects for a husband. So the Bible records for us that they got their father drunk to the point that he had relations with them without realizing it. They conceived. The oldest daughter had a son she named Moab. From the other daughter's son came the Ammonites, and let me tell you, the Moabites— and the Ammonites are going to become bitter enemies of the Israelites. In fact, over in Deuteronomy chapter 23 and verse 3, we're told that no Ammonite or Moabite was to enter the assembly of the Lord. Well, that's going to be a problem here for Ruth, right? No, uh, you might know that Ruth left her idolatrous nation behind. She followed Israel's God faithful to Naomi. She ends up marrying the Israelite man by the name of Boaz. So so now you have a former idolater and pagan Moabite joining the royal family line. In fact, she becomes the grandmother of King David. Ruth enters into the lineage of David's descendant, the Messiah, Jesus Christ. Now, in verse six of this genealogy, you have the fourth woman mentioned, Bathsheba. We read here Jesse was the father of David the king, and David was the father of Solomon by the wife of Uriah. Well, Bathsheba was the wife of Uriah. This is this is probably one of the darkest events in Israel's past. You have adultery, murder, deception. And you don't want to bring this up. You want to cover this up. This isn't going to look very good in the genealogy of Jesus. If you're trying to show you know, how he, he qualifies as Messiah, well, you ought to leave this out of his family history. Kind of reminds me of the wealthy high society woman who wrote a well-known author and asked him to write a book on the genealogy of her family. He agreed. He began to compile all the facts about the woman's family. And in the process, he discovered that one of her ancestors had been a murderer and was executed in the electric chair in the famous Sing Sing prison. Well, he, he, he tells her about all this and, and, and he said, you know, I'm an honest author and I'm going to need to include this in your family history, your genealogy. Well, she begged him not to include it, but he insisted on doing it. And finally, she said, well, if you got to include it, please write it in such a way That the truth that he was electrocuted at Sing Sing prison, you know, that that could somehow be hidden, be discreet. Well, he agreed, and he ended up writing it this way. One relative occupied the chair of applied electricity in one of America's best-known institutions. He was very much attached to his position, and he died in the harness. Well, that, that story is no doubt fiction. But it does represent the way we think, doesn't it? We want to keep certain things about our family history quiet. But here in verse 6, the Lord actually brings it out into the spotlight. David was the father of Solomon by Bathsheba, and she'd been the wife of Uriah. He gets it out in the open. Why? Is it because God doesn't really care all that much about sin? No, it's because God does care about sin. He sees every sin. He knows every sinner. Nothing is hidden from his sight. Uh, Listen, an angel is going to show up later on in this chapter and tell Joseph, Mary will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. Why? For he will save his people from their sins. You see, right here in the opening lines of the New Testament, God is effectively saying the world is full of sinners, and that's who Jesus came to save. And by the way, this is the beginning of even more good news. If Jesus is not ashamed of his ancestors, he isn't going to be ashamed of his spiritual descendants, and that's you and me. Let me tell you, this genealogy is an announcement of the grace of God. It doesn't matter who you are or what you've done. If you've believed in Jesus Christ, your name has been included in the Lamb's Book of Life. That's the Lord's family tree, and you're included. You're a spiritual descendant and member of the family of God by faith in his Son, your Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. But with that, we're out of time for today. Until we set sail next time on our wisdom journey, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.
0: Today's lesson is called The Family Tree of Jesus. Stephen Davey is taking you through the Bible on this wisdom journey. In addition to producing this daily program, our ministry has a monthly magazine. and We'd like to send you the next three copies for you to see for yourself. To learn more and receive the next three issues, visit wisdomonline.org forward slash magazine. We're eager for you to see it, so please do that today. Then join us next time on The Wisdom Journey.